This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So great to be with you folks this morning as, as we talk about, you know, the issue of fear. Just so we put everybody in, in a place of comfort, and I know we got a lot of first-time people today. How many of us wrestle with fear? Better all raise your hands. You know, we all wrestle with it. It's, it's, it's a universal human condition. And it isn't something today, I think, that, that you'll hear like the answer for it. And, and I want to be clear, fear does have a role. I don't know that it's necessarily good for us to live life completely fearlessly. Sometimes I think those kind of people can actually be a little dangerous, especially on the highway. A little bit of fear is actually a good thing. But what we don't want to have is we don't want to have a fear that consumes our lives, that forces us to live circles that are smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. What we want to do is is we want to acknowledge fear, and, and we want to also acknowledge Please listen carefully. That God is always calling us to a new story. Always calling us to a new story. Now, sometimes that shift between an old story and a new story with the fear in between, sometimes we choose it, you know, choosing a new job, et cetera, et cetera. And guess what? Sometimes we don't. (laughs) Sometimes that story chooses us. And it's not always easy. I want to be clear about that. I'm going to come back to this several times, but I'd ask you to please hold it very tenderly. And, and you know, as, as I would say when I was a teacher, highlight it, because I think it's important. We're always getting invited into something newer, and sometimes we don't choose that. And, you know, begs the question, like, with, with, a, with a bad medical diagnosis, like, did God even choose that? I, I, I don't really think so. I think what God is inviting us into, even in really challenging circumstances, however, is this newness. And sometimes the newness is just a shift of perspective where we find again and again the preciousness of life. I'll say that again. We find again and again the preciousness of life. I, I, as, as a pastor, you know, pastors, most of our work is sunrises and sunsets, figuratively. And, and I know a lot of the time, working with people who are in a sunset where something is changing, sometimes dramatically so, sometimes very painfully so, sometimes with joy, sometimes not, you, know, you get a both end. When, when it's not something they've chosen and it's something that's really hard, I, I'm continually left in awe of the resilience of the human condition. And how God calls forth this preciousness that just, it makes me weep. It makes me weep. I have to, I was just working with somebody this week and just said, look, I'm going to cry the whole way through this conversation. (laughs) Because it's just, it's so precious. Even in the midst of it being so hard. And I think that's the newness God's talking about. Yeah, I think in America, we always think newer equals better. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. So let's hold both of those here today as we look at fear. So I, I like the idea, and I've said this before, but I just get such a kick out of it. Those things that I get a kick out of, you get to hear more than once. I get such a kick out of this kind of picture. I am a junkie for old graveyards. 
I just think they're, they're just, they're just so amazing to me, right? And you think about churches back in the day, you know, if you were, we were building this church, you know, 200 years ago, we'd be going down our checklist like stone building check, stained glass check, mediocre pastor check, uh, and then we'd come graveyard check. We gotta have a graveyard. No modern church in America has built a graveyard beside it since 1950, probably. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? And I, and I, I look at a picture like this, and it's, 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 I think it kind of, to me, it, it, it has two meanings. One is, is it's, it's a reminder that, that life is always, that there's always this old story, this new story, there's always this death, and there's always this thing we call in Christianity resurrection. Regeneration, being created anew, and that there's, there's this constant cycle going on. And they just knew that was a rhythm of life. I mean, just imagine if as you enter church today, you're like, hey, there's great-grandpa Josh. Hope you're doing well today. And imagine a wedding. Where you're going over right before the wedding, because I'm sure people did, right, with that picture. I'm sure people did to go over right before that wedding just, just to spend a minute with their loved ones. Or baptism, the same thing. I know when I have a really, really big, important speech, I don't do it every Sunday, obviously, but when I have a really big, important speech, my, my grandpa, Charlie Brown, yes, his real name, is, is buried nearby, and I'll go down and I'll read it to him. I think a lot of that would have happened in those old pictures. And there's certainly a lot more, I don't know, inspiring than a parking lot. And they give us a perspective on life about the old story, the new story, the fear in between. I want to read from you from, from Revelation 21. If you're following along online, this is from Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. And I want you to hear like the rhythms of old story, new story, fear in between. And in the new church, we, we read these stories and we see them poetically, like a poetic truth. That there is a literal sense, a literal meaning, but there's a deeper meaning underneath it. A poetic sense that's actually incredibly true and incredibly insightful for our lives. And this is one that's talking about both corporate church out there and the church that each of us holds in our heart. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Notice, old story. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now, this is so beautiful, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And that's, I think, that preciousness part. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things, the old story has passed away. He who was seated on the throne then said, I am making everything new. Beautiful line there, folks. And just a few pieces of it, I think, that are so poignant. If we look at the passage up here on the screen, one of the beautiful lines in there is, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell. Now, now I did a whole sermon on that last year, so I want to move through that quickly, get to the second part. But those of you who weren't here for that, I just did a sermon on that word dwell. 
that word dwell is beautiful. Because literally it means to pitch a tent right beside. It's not like, you know, I think, I think we can view God one of two ways. We can view kind of us here, here's one little ball, and here's God, this big ball, and there's this separation. That's not how New Church holds it. We hold it literally, there's this big ball called God, and we're within that. So that dwelling is, is very much like Emmanuel, God with us. It's literally what Emmanuel means. Walking with us, being with us, holding us, there all the time. In some moments, like the, 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 the membrane of that little us, sometimes it kind of gets a little more thin, and that's where we can experience that deep preciousness of life. That's a whole series we're going to look at this summer. But that's a beautiful, beautiful concept about dwelling. Now it goes on to say this in the next slide. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. I, you know, I, I just I struggle even how to comment on that. It's so beautiful. What that is doing, I think, is I think it's God anchoring us in the new story, saying, "Yep, life is challenging. The world is challenging, and there is a place where you're going to find this, where you're going to find." You know, no more tears. You're going to find no more death or mourning or crying or pain. That's heaven. And that's so beautiful, right? It's, it's so incredibly beautiful and precious to hold that. That transition, though, is hard. I think you all would agree with that. Moving from an old story to a new story is difficult. In the new story, folks, I, I think it has to remain poly, it has to remain grounded so it doesn't become Pollyannish. We can't hold that new story as a utopia. Does that make sense? You know what the word utopia means? The word utopia is Latin for nowhere. So if somebody starts talking about utopia, you can go like, that's nowhere. And you'll be right. It's not a utopian vision, because we have a utopian vision. That means I'm not here in the pain that is life a lot of the time. I can't hold it as a utopian vision that's, that's going to somehow detach me and have me hover above it all. That, that's not it. That's, that's not the Christian message. That's, that's, that's not what Christ is asking us. Christ is actually asking us to, is to go deep in the challenges of life so that we find that other blessed place even there. So we find that blessed place, even there. As a pastor, I'm continually humbled just by, by watching people move through hard things in their life, and yet, yet there they find this, this incredible preciousness, like even there. Last week it was, it was with people who struggle with addiction. And you can pick any number of things where, where people find that deep preciousness. And it's important to hold that and to, and to put our arms around it and understand there's this, this fear in between and understand that, that many of us do have this, this old story, the old order of things. And the old order of things, like in, in light of the fact that it's spring, I think of that as a tree, this next picture of a tree. And it's, it's, it's a tree in winter. 
I think this is what God's asking, right? So how many of you have looked out at a tree with no leaves and panicked in the middle of winter that that tree is dead? Hopefully none of you, right? If you had a little child and the little child came to you and said, Mom, Dad, like the tree, it's January, it's got no leaves, I'm worried. What would you say? Don't worry, spring's coming. I think that's what we're talking about here. Like, but it's important to know that there, there is this old story. In the old story, a lot of the time, folks, the, the old story, it just stops working for us. It doesn't even mean all the time that necessarily the old story is bad. Like, I think that's the, would be sort of our culture way to hold it. Chuck must be saying old story bad, new story good. No, I, I think our old stories really serve us and serve us well. But then there comes a time where we have to move to be something else. Or we get stuck in an old story that just doesn't do it anymore. I remember in college feeling like my story was Chuck the lacrosse player. Not a good story to have when you're 54. No one cares. Sorry for those of you who think lacrosse is still your story. That's, that's just really hard, right? And, and we all do that, right? We have that old story and we have this new story. We, we need to be able to move through it. And, and something to think about, folks, I'm going to give you just a couple of seconds to think about this, is look at this question. I think it's an important question. What do we do to mask our fear? So old story, new story, and then there's this, this fear in the middle, and, and we do things to mask it. We do things to mask it. I don't know what yours are, but I think it's important for us just to take like a few seconds here, just take a breath and just think of what those are. So just follow along with me here. All right? So first, let's just take a breath. Let's take another breath. Let's just close our eyes for a second. And ask yourself the question. What am I doing to mask my fear? What am I doing to mask my fear? I think that question matters a lot because I I think, again, that's where we need to do spiritual work. Like, you will always be called to a new story. That's just the way life is going to go. You're always going to be called to a new story. And we always have to relinquish our old story many, many, many times, again and again. As, as a famous author said, we need to learn to die before we die. And I think this dying just is constantly happening. And we need to do the work around those fears, Right? Those fears and really being able to look at them, confront them, do the best we can with them and move them forward. I know, I know sometimes, like, like for me, that what I tend to do is I can be pathologically optimistic. So what that means is that if, if, if there's an old story and a new story and there's going to be pain in the middle of it, I don't, I get so uncomfortable with other people's pains. I'm like, oh, it'll all be fine. No problem. Monty Python fans will get this. The rest of you won't. It's just a scratch. I don't know how yours is. 
But I think it's really important to have that conversation about how you do it and how you're going to wrestle with it. Because as the band comes out, as the band comes out, I want to tell you and assure you that there are ways to move through. And those moving through is not eliminating fear. Like, I I wish I could take all that fear from you. I don't think that's how it works, especially because most fear we hold in our whole body. Like, when we're feared up, it's a full body reaction, like the worst rash you ever had. But there is a way to step through it. I I think, you know, yesterday I had a wedding, and, and... you know, I like to pull, when, when couples get to the front, I like to just turn them around for a minute just to see everybody there and to know that life does have challenges and here they're being invited into a new story out of an old story. What I tell them all the time is this. I want you to look at the audience. I want you to hear this, my friends. This is a moment where you have to get. There is a plan. There's always been a plan. And the plan, my dear friends, is good. Beauty of that, how to save a life. And that's part of, again, this idea of a new story that we're being called into again and again and again. That light in the darkness that moves into a new story. I want to come back now to Revelation and and move through that. And and then you're going to hear from a couple of congregants as we talk about, like, well, how does this actually show up in life? Flipping forward to how it comes through with Revelation. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. That idea that, that everything gets a newness. And again, what is that newness? I, I want to be clear, and please remember, I, I think a lot of the time it's, it's a simple awareness of preciousness. It's a simple awareness of preciousness. Sunrises, sunsets, I certainly get to witness both all the time. And it's humbling, and it's beautiful, and it's filled with hope. And when we can remind ourselves of that, maybe on occasion reminding someone else, that's where lives get saved. That's where lives get saved. It goes on in the next line, to say, he said to me, it's done. And that's beautiful again. I won't even go into that. That goes back to Easter. It is done. I'm the Alpha and Omega. That's the first letter and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. That means I am all things. The beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Now again, like, it's a spring. It's not a well. So this is water bubbling up. And again, in a desert culture, you can imagine what this would have sounded like. And that idea of the water of life, like, it's not just, it's not just that God wants to give, like, a little bit. He doesn't want to give us a little, like, shot glass of water. Going back to John, Gospel of John, where he talks about this in a previous one, it says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, And that's really about following, believes in me, as scripture has said. Rivers of living water will flow from within them. That's really good. That's really good. If you have a view of an angry, mean, nasty God, it will not stand up against that. It just won't. That's Jesus talking, by the way. 
saying, you know, that there's these living waters like, like that will flow within these, these, these people who are just somehow alive, and we get to see that again and again. And I think so much of it is, is how do we share our stories together? That's so important. That's, I think, so much what church is. How do we share these stories together so we can remember the old story, the new story, the fear in between? And we can honor valiant spirits who've helped us to make that journey. So with that, I'm going to introduce our two panelists who will be joining us today. And, you know, as always, just for people who, who come forward and are willing to share their story, talk about vulnerability. And I know for me, and I'm sure for you, we just are deeply honored when people are willing to share of themselves. So with that, I'm going to invite Marcus and Beth up to the stage. Please greet them with a warm round of applause. Your fan club showed up today, so all good. All right, so first I'll just let each of you say your name. Beth Valente. I'm Marcus. Marcus. You can hold the mic, Mark. So, uh, you know, just starting out, when, when you guys are hearing that old story, new story, fear in between, is there a place in particular feeling like, yeah, you know what, yeah, that, this is just ringing true for me. I, I get to see it, or I've witnessed old story, new story, fear in between. Like, what's coming to your, what's coming to your head? And Marcus, because you have the microphone, brother, you get to go first. Old story, new story. Okay, yeah. Things are definitely in a flux in my life right now. Things are sort of changing. Uh, for the longest time, you know, 15, 16, going on 20 years now, I've been running a studio and uh, three years ago, I sort of shifted my focus more toward my own music uh, rather than doing music for others. And uh, it's, it's really, it's changed a lot in my life, but it's certainly that fear in between because there's a new story that I'm telling, which is much better to tell the story even before it happens because <laughs> it, it helps you follow along that path. Yeah. But there's a new story that I'm really excited about that I see myself walking towards and... Uh, the fear in between where how much work I did to get here and how much work there still is to go, sort of floating around in the middle, is it is a scary place. But uh, as you talk about mentors, uh, probably one of my biggest mentors is my, my martial arts teacher, uh, my sensei. And uh, he says something that's, you know, it's a, it's a famous quote, there's no there there. Yeah. There is no there there. So this, this place that you think you're trying to get, just be, be there. Be that person that you think you're trying to strive to get. Just be that now. Um, I think everyone has had someone in their life that has tried to help their path along quicker, whether it's a parent or a mentor. And uh, to say something like, you know, you could take 20 years to get here, or you could get it right now. Yeah. Uh, that's sort of where that in-between place becomes that place of power, yeah. as opposed to that place of powerlessness. You take your power right in that moment. You become that person. You are that person. You realize all you've been trying to do all along is match that frequency of that person you're trying to get to. But you can have it now. You and you can turn that place of fear into a place of power. That's powerful. You know what I was thinking, Marcy, as you said, no, there, there. That's the utopian vision, right? The there is the utopia. It's the nowhere. It's the no thing that, that we kind of hold out there. But again, in, in that deep incarnational you know, I love the way the Gospel of John starts. Like, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Like, it's that, you know, how do, how do we actually embody this stuff? 
is there, is there a fear in particular that's like, Chuck, this is where my crazy head goes. This is, as, as I go through this journey, this is where fear really shows up for me. Finances. Finances. <laughs> no one else gets that, yeah, right? Yeah, just like, me. Just sure. Marcus. We'll just like, we'll comfort him after I try church. to talk to people about it. They roll their eyes and they go, <laughs> finances, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's finances because uh, I sort of never made the decision to put finances first. You know, I decided to follow my dream. I never gave up on what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't choose anything else and have to come back to it. I just never stopped. Um, so there's sort of always been that fear that should I had made the decision to make finances the most important thing. And I know that that's not true, but that's where the fear comes in. And that's how I know that it's false evidence appearing real. Because when you really question it, most of the time, most of the stuff we're afraid of, we don't say out loud. And when you say it out loud, you kind of feel silly. You go... You want to say that again? Um, yeah, because it's if I was if that was my fear and if that was true, then that at that moment to make the choice, I wouldn't have made the choice that I made. Yeah, the choice right. that I made was the right choice, and uh, I sometimes put an imaginary back against my wall. I mean, imaginary wall against my back, rather, yeah. so that I, I know that there's only one direction to move. Right, I, I can't right. really look back and say, "Oh, let me try again." Yeah. It's just go, just keep going. It's interesting you say. I was had a conversation with someone last week talking about fear, and in fear, folks, by the way, it's like a prison like a cell with three walls. And we're sort of hanging onto the bars, like, I'm afraid I can't do anything. And then we turn around and realize there's no wall in the back of the prison. You know, it's a little, little, little different. Bath, my friend. Thank you, Marcus. Beth, so speak to us. We've had some great, Beth and I have had some great conversations about this and kind of this old story, new story, fear in between. What's coming up for you? So I have had no idea what I was going to share. Um, and actually, like Marcus, I feel like I'm in a, a transition now, but what a lot of the scriptures reminded me of was an earlier time in my life, old story, new story. And um, sometimes I feel like I have to look back to that one yeah. to draw the like strength and be like, no, it's going to be. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> um, and so... I'm going back to like, you know, when I was in my 20s. And, um, and so I worked in the bar and nightclub industry. I was a high school dropout. I had to drop out of high school to take care of my mom. And that's been a story my whole life. And that kind of leads to the new transition I'm in because she died two and a half years ago. And so now I'm, I'm in that like desert again of transition. Yeah, yeah. And there's fear. Um, but, you know, my old, old story was that you know, I was a high school dropout. I wasn't smart enough. How would I ever amount to anything? And there was a lot of fear. And yet there was a big part of my heart that wanted to be part of the healing. Like, you know, I wanted to be in the medical profession because I had seen how it had done my mom wrong. And I had no idea how I would get from being a high school dropout working in, you know, seedy clubs to being a medical professional. And so the valiant spirit that's coming up for this is, uh, is actually, it reminds me of the scripture that um, God is, uh, he's persistent and he like, he, he pursues us, yeah. you know? <laughs> and um, then there's also a story about how he used a donkey one time. And so what I want to share is just that in, in that world of nightclub and, and darkness, there was um, a person who was a customer in, in, a, in a nightclub who used to keep coming up to me and saying things like, you know, you're too smart to be here. Mm. And I'm thinking, 
why, why is he saying, you know, what is this about, you know? And it was over the, his name is Martin Seidenschmidt, and he was a dental student at Temple at the time. And I was like, what is this, you know, why does this guy keep, and he goes, well, what's your plan for school? Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'll get around to it, you know? <laughs> I had a million excuses. I was afraid to fill out the forms to apply to school. Because wow. I have a learning disability, and forms are like my nemesis. There's the um, fear. <laughs> there's a big fear there. Um, and so I really didn't even know how to initiate the process. I had a GED, and, um, and so... This guy kept like, you know, you're too smart to be here. I'll help you. And I was a little hesitant to, to accept help from this, you know, stranger. Um, although eventually the persistence and, you know, I was like, eh, I don't think this guy's a terrible guy. He agreed to meet me at the subway station. That was another one of my fears. I was afraid to rub, ru ride the subway to mm. Temple University. And, um, and so I agreed to meet him at the, he said, I'll show you how to use the subway. And so um, met him at the subway, took me down to Temple University. They had a program at the time for um, where you could go in as a non-matriculated student and take some classes. And if you proved yourself, um, then you would be able to, you know, matriculate into Temple. And then um, he rode the train down and, and helped me fill out all the paperwork. And in the back of my head, there was more fear. Like, what does this guy want out of this situation? Right? <laughs> you know? Come on, let's face it. I'm a 20-something-year-old lady. Met him in a nightclub. And, um, and so, but what I realize now in hindsight is that was really a valiant spirit, a God-ordained <sighs> divine appointment. And this friend, I like to call him a lifelong angel, I really call him an angel. Um, after getting me signed up for school and everything, um, wound up tutoring me in math because I had always failed miserably. Somehow I was great at science and never good at math and actually tutored me one night until like 3 o'clock in the morning and then like perfect gentleman went home and I got my very first B plus on a math test. <laughs> and I went from being a high school dropout with a GED, and I've gotten honors ever since that point. He really built confidence, like that, that whole thing, just that help, just that like reaching out and persistently, you know, just being a help. Wow. Wow. Thank you. All right, that closes today's service. We'll see you folks. That's good. Beautiful. Thank you, folks, again. I love, love, love those stories, right? And it's, it's, it's how to save a life, and it's, it's, it's how being aware that those people are, are in our lives. I say it all the time. I say it all the time. Get a tattoo. Angels in Hebrew means, somebody shout it out, means messenger. Did we hear about a few angels there? And I love the idea, right, of the subway train. And I think that's so much what we can be for each other in these, in these times of transition. You know, looking at the fear directly and then, and then finding those mentors in our life that can move us through. Definition of mentoring I use all the time is a mentor is this. A mentor is someone who sees a brighter future than we can see by ourselves. A mentor is someone who can see a brighter future than we can see just by ourselves. 
incredibly powerful stuff. And, and, and folks, even, even the ultimate of those fears, the, the fear of like, like death, even, even that can sort of shrink if we can hold things in the right way. I love this piece from Jim Finley. Those who come to acceptance of death have about them a certain transparent childlike quality. It's an uncanny peace. Jesus would call that a peace beyond understanding. It is a peace not of this world. For in accepting, and I think this is true for all of us, by the way, for in accepting their seemingly unacceptable situation, they are transformed in ways that leave us feeling strangely touched and privileged to be in their presence. Being in their presence can open up in us a deep sense. This is really big. I would take a picture of this if you have a phone. Can open up in us a deep sense of how invincibly precious we are in the midst of our fragility. How invincibly precious we and babies are in the midst of our fragility. You know, that's, that's beautiful stuff, folks. That's beautiful. And that's, I think, where, where life, where life can, can, can go. We, we can actually hold it that way. And, and we can understand whether it's, whether it's death of a certain role or death of being a certain way or, or physical death even, that there is this bigger picture, as is said in a piece of our canon, Heaven and Hell, has this beautiful line. Take a look at this. We do not die. We are only separated from the physical nature that was useful to us in this world. The essential, look at this, folks. The essential person is actually still alive. We are not people because of our bodies. That's true anywhere you are in this life, folks. We are not people because of our bodies, but because of our spirits. When we die, we simply move from one world into another. You could read that on so many levels, and it's beautiful. I think if we can approach life that way, if we can walk with each other between old story, new story, fear in between, we're willing to look at the fear, face it, confront it, and understand that that's where God's calling us to spiritual work. We can understand there's a much bigger holding, and if we can't understand it, please listen, my dear friends. If we can't understand it, we draw alongside someone who can so they can help us on that path. That's what God intends. Your spiritual life is not a self-improvement project that you're going to do all alone. Something you're going to do with other people. If you're a first-timer, we hope you do it with us. And then where we get, where we get, we start to understand life, death, resurrection. Welcome to, we're going into the Easter season. We start to understand these, and we start to go, yep, this is life. Next picture, this is life. It's got that mix. It's got beauty. There is a plan. There's always been a plan. And the plan, my dear friends, is good. Amen. What we're going to do now is we're going to close the service with a prayer. After the song, after I, I pray, you'll have a moment for quiet re- reflection to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, or to say your own private prayer about moving through into a new story. So please join me. 
Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, thank you for that reminder of that word with. You are always with us. Even in times that feel so dark, that light in the darkness. Lord, all of us in here, every single one of us, is currently in some way, shape, or form going through an old story, a new story, and fear in between. Lord, let us honor the old story for what it was and what it did and how it functioned for us. And Lord, let us as well hear the call of the new story. Listen to that call. The call of that new story where life becomes ever more precious, ever more loving, ever more peaceful, ever more deep even in the midst of heartbreak and hardship. Lord, then, that fear stuff, let us just look at that for what it is. As Marcus said, fear, false evidence appearing real. Let us just look at that fear, work with it as best we can, knowing we won't solve it. But we will, we will step through it because that's what you've asked us to do. Knowing you're with us the whole way. And Lord, at the end of all that, let us remember all things new and a promise here of joy, a fullness of joy, a completeness of joy. Let us live in there. Lord, let us go out this week and just celebrate that. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 